Hi, I'm Adriana Robles. And the last thing I prayed for was I pray every time I'm sick. <laughs> it's the one time that I'm just desperate enough. Every time I feel even a little sick, I, I say a prayer to myself. <laughs> Hi, JC. Hi, JC. Hey, JC. Uh, hello, Jessica. <laughs> hey, JC. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. I actually am loving the weather today. It's quite hot, but for whatever reason, my apartment is pretty chilly and I'm pleased. How are you? My, um, I'm actually very hot. I was just complaining about how much I was sweating on a walk with Arthur, and I'm very uncomfortable, actually. I'm sitting in like a soaking wet bra, if you must know. Hot. Uh, can we talk about something that happened last week? Sure. You and I had a break fast together. For oh, we did. Before. You and I went live on Instagram for one whole minute and nobody joined. <laughs> uh, I hate going live. I can't lie. And I hate watching people who have gone live. Like, it's so unnecessary. It is unnecessary. So basically all this to say, you're welcome for not watching it. Exactly. I have to say celebrating the breakfast was literally the only thing I did for Yom Kippur aside from fasting this year, just because it's so hard. I mean, uh, what? Oh, you usually go to temple? Yeah, I usually go to shul on Yom Kippur. Me too. I usually go in Kol Nidre, but I'm not mad that I didn't, to be honest. Interesting. I'm curious to see how people's relationship with religion changes after the pandemic. Like not just Judaism. Well, I but... think like I, I did watch some service on Zoom, uh-huh. but I feel like that should be the norm. Like a la carte Judaism for yes. real. Yes, having the choice. Yeah, it is um, kind of nice. Yeah. I do miss like going to services, having an outfit, getting dressed up, catching up with people, I... people watching. No, no, you don't like I that stuff? hate, I, I, I do not like getting dressed for temple. I never know what to wear. Mm. Um, also, especially in Los Angeles, I feel like all of my f- more formal clothing is all black. And I feel weird wearing all black to like... Rosh I thought you were going to say it's all slutty. And I was like, yeah, that no. does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just all black. And everyone's always in like jovial colors or whites for the new year. And I just like don't have formal clothing of that color. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, you're supposed to wear white for the new year in Judaism, yeah. but like, and you always have to dress really formal. Like when people go to church, they don't have to dress up that much. I think it depends on the church. Yeah, but for the most part, you don't have to. And like, my parents are always like, you can't have your shoulders showing in shul. And I'm like, well, you can't. I know, but like, that's for the who? rule. But it's funny that you can wear like see-through shawls. Like you exactly. can wear, like your shoulders can be seen. They just have to be covered. It doesn't make sense. No. Okay. I know what my live off behind is. It hasn't happened yet, but there's a, like an independent movie theater down the street from my apartment. And I'm going to see a movie in the theater on Friday. And I'm so excited. I haven't done that in like over two years. What are you seeing? Top Gun, the original. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. Um, you know what? I guess I'll take this time to piggyback off that and make my love laugh time. I also went to see a movie in the theaters over the weekend called Cop Shop. Jack's friend Trevor produced it. So I went and saw it, making making waves in Hollywood, young Hollywood. And it was fun. It was a good time. Was it the best movie I've ever seen? No. Was it fun? Yes. Go support Cop Shop in theaters now. Oh, yeah. Jerry Butler. And Frank Grillo. Our guest this week, Adriana, such a Adriana, star. Adriana, the biggest star. What I a... was very 
loving our, I was very loving the conversation when we were talking about abortion. I felt like it was very timely. Me too. Anyway, Adriana's the shit. She works at SNL. She's from Florida. What more could you ask? That's pretty much all you need to know. Um, Enjoy. 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 Hey there, we're JC and Jessica, and this is Pray For Us. Hi. Hi. Um, it is a podcast about practicing ancient religions in the modern day. We're talking about how we observe different faiths when it comes to holidays, relationships, food, and everything in between. Today, we're talking to Adriana Robles. Adriana is a writer and a director. She currently directs digital shorts at SNL. That's right, folks, Saturday Night Live. She's also a dear friend of mine, and I like to brag about it. So welcome to the show, Adriana. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Thanks for being here. We're psyched. I love talking about religion. Who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) I can name a few, but uh, we certainly like it. That's why why we do this damn thing. This is absolutely correct. I heard that you're from Florida. Is this true? Where in Um, Florida exactly? It's a town called Ocala. I always like tell people it's an hour above Orlando um, because that's the easiest thing to describe it. But things about Ocala, horse capital of the world, horse farms everywhere. Wow. And John Travolta lives there. So currently, currently, yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Have you seen his, what I assume to be like a compound? Have you seen it? I have his airport. Not like at his actual not the home that like he sleeps and eats in, but uh, he, he lives in like a very small <laughs> community where there's an airstrip and there's like a community hall. And that's where a lot of the local high schools have prom. Are there horses Interesting. on those grounds? You know, I don't think so. I, there's horses everywhere, honestly. So like probably. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of Florida, I do not think of horses. I have to be honest, but that's kind of. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I I never was a horse girl. I I mean, being from there, like, I knew a lot of horse girls. Congratulations. Like, I I, I think I, like, get the culture. But, um, yeah, no, I I never, uh, when I was really young, we lived in, like, a horse farm neighborhood where there was, like, houses all around a horse farm. And most of my horse memories are going there and like feeding them carrots. Honestly, horses are pretty big. Um, they smell really bad and yeah. like overall are like hmm. kind of intimidating. <laughs> so I don't really mess with them. <laughs> I don't really either. I remember when I was younger, I signed up for horse lessons like one summer, horse riding, <laughs> horse riding lessons, excuse me. <laughs> and my mom like bought me boots, a helmet, like the whole nine yards and like a day before they were supposed to start I was like I don't actually want to do this and then we I feel like there was a whole thing where she like tried to return them to the horse store and they were like no horse store I remember being very angry angry with me about that we actually had horses at the end of our street growing up there was like a horse property and they had a handful of horses and goats and stuff and we would go feed them also like very intimidated yeah they're scared by them but they're like beautiful obviously nothing but respect for horses but I feel like this is a sweeping generalization, but I feel like Jews are like not horse people. Like, I don't know any Jewish girls who are like going to horseback riding lessons. You know what I you mean? You know what? The one girl I know in LA that owns a horse is Jew. She's Jewish. Don't say it. 
Yeah. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> Wait, so which religion were you raised with? I feel like I want to say Scientology because <laughs> well, John I mean, we are in close proximity from your to, town, to or water, your town. But no, I, I grew up super Christian. I honestly didn't. There was one Jewish family at my school growing up, but I knew zero about Judaism, didn't know a Jew on a personal level <laughs> until college. <laughs> um, like my brother called me when he's a couple of years younger than me. He called me like after a week of college in Tampa and he was like, did you meet a lot of Jewish people in college? I was like, yeah, they're kind of everywhere, right? Like, not in our hometown. Um, yeah, we grew up in the Assemblies of God Church, which is like, we. it's, it's pretty like standard, contemporary-ish, uh, like music. There's there's mm-hmm. some speaking in tongues. Oh. There's some oh, fun stuff like that. that. Yeah, but... I the speaking in tongues thing, it's all pretty standard. Is that its own sect, Assembly of God, yeah. or is it like a... Yeah, okay. I mean, it was like more, I, I guess, like created, uh, you know, later in the game. Like, you know, they weren't... Kind of like a universe. What is the one that was also created later in the game? Universalist? Unitarian? Or whatever. Yeah. Are there any celebs of note that have been a part of that sect? Oh, God. I don't think so. I mean... Honestly, like, I feel like anytime that I've ever said I grew up in Assemblies of God, people, like, even Christians are kind of like, they don't know what it is. Yeah, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know it's big. We, uh, yeah, There's it's a whole assembly, assembly so. all across the nation. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they have this thing called Fine Arts that is, like, a competition, an arts competition that like covers a lot of ground. Like you can do a monologue, you can do, um, but everything has to be like glorifying God. I think that's like the rule. And so you can like, you know, do a painting, you can do photography. There's like a ton of categories and it's like mostly to keep kids away from art, I think, like real art. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) there's always like, it was a big deal every year to like go to your like district fine arts competition, the state fine arts competition, the national, it was like that, that culture was kind of fascinating, but that was when I would see like, uh, how big the church was, you know, did you participate? And if so, what was your art of choice? Um, I did participate. I, I was like, kind of, I wasn't one of the cool kids in church. I didn't, I wasn't a part of like, like in the hierarchy, I was like in more like ensemble things, like large group choir was one that mm-hmm. I was a part of. And gotcha. the, the cool kids would do these things called human videos, which what is that? I, <laughs> I don't know why it's called a human video, but essentially it was like people doing like an interpretive dance or like a pantomime performance to like a track you know like the cheerleading the insane cheerleading like medleys where like it's yeah. just like pulsing like mm-hmm. house beat and like, a, <laughs> yes. like all of the top hits from that year and plus like a random i could literally song. play you old cheerleading mixes that yeah, i have yeah and they're that it's kind of yeah. like that but a bunch of songs like pieces of songs that tell a story and then like pastors like doing uh like like pieces of like sermons and stuff 
kind of in, in a song and and they could be like upwards of like eight minutes they, they would be long yeah and basically it's no pun intended people pun. you know doing like <laughs> it's very hard to describe honestly i highly recommend looking up a human video on yeah, youtube we, we need because... to is it more is i'm picturing like um lyrical dance meets meets Same. like miming almost yeah yeah there's a lot of like lip syncing of the sermons a lot of like it it is similar to cheerleading in that like there would be like some moves where they would like hold people up you know like people got into it and it it went beyond like just normal dance they were carving out that's fascinating you know cheer face how you're supposed to like make facials is what they call them like facial expressions while you're yeah dancing is that part of the vibe um yeah i mean a lot of people would play like characters i'm thinking of one right now that my brother was cooler than me and i think that they also needed guys to participate so he was in one and i'm i'm thinking of like the one that he was in there are there's like somebody playing a snake that is the devil and like they they take on like characters that to tell the story mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun educational way to get into the faith i guess i looking back i i'm happy <laughs> that i didn't get into it as much as other kids did <laughs> like i i did theater in school and was kind of like this is way more fun than whatever is going on over here. I think that my parents really wanted me to be more involved with that. And I never, I, I was never a good enough singer to like be doing solo pieces. And I feel like most of the people involved were just like white as can be. Um, it was. A, yeah, it sounds pretty yeah. white. Were there a lot of white people in your community, yeah, in your church? Like mostly. And you're Puerto Rican, right? Yeah. And I, there was, I mean, there was a separate service, um, for Spanish speakers. We just went to the regular one, but that was like a small room, like off to the side. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized Hunter Toro, who we had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago is from Florida as well. And she's also Puerto Rican. I know her. So like, no, no, she doesn't. (laughs) Oh, well, she's a comedy writer. So I was like, it's possible. But I'm sure like there is like a big community, but I guess they're not all part of the same church. Like everyone's sort of dispersed. Yeah, there's there's also a lot of different parts of Florida, right? Like there are like the more ideal places to be a Puerto Rican in Florida would be like Miami, anywhere in South Florida, anything like Orlando, Tampa and below. I grew up in North Florida, like almost Georgia, um, very bizarre gators are everywhere like you know that kind of uh yeah we would go kayaking on the river in my town and you'd be surrounded by gators <laughs> oh no. wait have you ever had any like run-ins where you're like i'm gonna die or i'm gonna get bit by it honestly so i i feel like when you grow up in florida around where i grew up you have this knowledge about gators that like you assume everybody has as an adult and then uh i've like explained these things in adulthood and been like oh of course i only know this because of where i grew up gators don't really like go after you uh unless it's like nighttime it's so hot uh during the day in florida that like they have to regulate their temperature and like stay very still 
with their mouths open. I don't, there's science there, but they, they basically like can't move until it cools down and that's when they hunt. So they're chilling everywhere, you know, but I've never, I was always told to not be scared of them during the day, which is probably a bad thing to teach kids. No, I mean, if that's I the believe truth, Yeah, I mean, it, you know? I think it made all of us a little bit fearless. Like, you know, we're like, oh, it's just a gator over yeah. there. I feel like we should have been a little more scared of them. <laughs> they terrify me so much. I have so no much. opinions on Land them. and sea. Or not sea, but they are they can swim after you and they can also chase after you on land. They can't be. Which I have a problem. Uh-oh. Yeah, because you, you think they're not fast, <laughs> but they're faster than you think they are. I remember being so a kid. Clunky. Um, I, I went to university of Florida and my, my dad had gone there. So we would go to, uh, football games all the time. You don't see this anymore, but when I remember like in the nineties, when I was a kid, people would bring gators on leashes, uh, like to tailgating parties and stuff. <laughs> More importantly, have you eaten gator? I have. Me too. It tastes like chicken. Like it really does. It tastes like yeah. chewier chicken. It's, yeah, of. it's definitely chewier. I've only had it like deep fried though so me too i think that's probably the only real way way. yeah but yeah gator tail fried gator tail is a big thing jc mentioned you've had some interesting jobs within the church is this true yeah yeah um at least that are like related to the church i we had a christian pregnancy center in town and i volunteered there all throughout high school Basically, this center was right next to uh, a women's clinic where where they would do abortions. So, uh, like literally right next door. So there were old people holding signs, um, you know, the scary, sad, dead fetus signs. Uh, you know, like praying for all of the women who are like, getting out of their cars and going into the building. And then, like, I would pull up, and they're like, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> like, I was like, so, I was, like oh one God. of the only young people there. We were also right next to our town's soup kitchen. We were in between those two, um, between the women's clinic and the interfaith uh, soup kitchen. And so the old people would take a lunch break, go over to the soup kitchen, and always bring me, always bring me soup and chili from there. And I never. I never ate it on principle because I felt like they shouldn't have been eating it. (laughs) (laughs) What exactly was your job at the Christian Women's Pregnancy Center? So it was, the main building was like a double wide trailer or maybe triple wide. It was definitely a trailer structure. And then there was a smaller trailer behind it um, that was the store. And basically uh, this whole center ran on like a point system. So if you came in seeking help, you could, the more involved with the center and church you, you were, the, they would give you points. And so if you like read a, a book about being like a good Christian mother, you would get, you know, five points. And then they would come to the store and be like, hey, I have five points what can I get? And I had a chart like, you can get a dozen diapers, you can get like some onesies, you know, it it was, I I, I was the keeper of the shop. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. You were the keeper of the shop, which I guess meant that you didn't have like a hand in actually 
providing like help to women who might be like deciding against an abortion we were more it was so... more like everybody had decided like they were gonna have a baby before they got to me and also i was like okay i mean i started doing that when i was like 14 so um you know and no one was going to seek my advice but um <laughs> i did i sorted through donations and when the, the the way we got people kind of like hooked was when they first came uh they got like a welcome package like a care package for when they first had their kid which included it had a lot of stuff it was like you know diapers bottles pacifiers clothes and like little towels uh like and some miscellaneous items okay. because people donated kind of whatever so i would go through all the donations and um rip tags off of them and like make them look nice and then i i built these packages so i was um my my claim to fame was like theming the the care packages so i would sort through the donation and find like anything with like ducks or like anything with dinosaurs and i would make sure that like the, the care package had like a, a theme that we were staying true to that's cute. yeah i mean sometimes it was just a color because not all of them what yeah, can what we can do? you do? There's there's limited <laughs> themes uh, in baby <laughs> but it's mostly cars, dinosaurs, <laughs> ducks. Did you get to volunteering there like on your own merit or were your parents like you should go volunteer somewhere within the church? Um, so the person running it was a family friend. Um, growing up, my mom and I used to volunteer together at the Women's Pregnancy Center sorting through donations and like just kind of whatever uh, help we could give that day. When I was regularly volunteering there like over the summers and on the weekends in high school, that was more because I very much wanted to. I, I was like, I mean, I, I was deep in the deep in the game. <laughs> Like I work at the pregnancy center, like going to Bible study. Like I was doing a church related activity most days. We we grew up doing devotions every morning as a family. Like it was uh, pretty much everything was like God centered. What are devotions exactly? That's a great question. So um, basically <laughs> they, uh, there's a whole market in the Christian community for like dev devotional books that are like guides um, on like how to read the Bible. So there's a lot of like daily devotionals where every day there's a different topic. It gives you verses to read. And uh, a lot of them will like ask questions like, what was the time when you felt tempted with blah, 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 you know, and you can do them on your own or you can do them in like a Bible study setting. Every morning we woke up uh, very early in the morning and would do devotions around the breakfast table before my dad went to work because there are 31 um, chapters in Proverbs every day of the month we would do whatever proverb matched up with that day it's kind of like those calendars with the inspiration of yeah yeah a little <laughs> sort of <laughs> kind of just, just like not fun <laughs> do your parents still do them and do your siblings still do them and do you still do them <laughs> um i definitely don't um my parents i don't uh, they don't do them my dad wakes up very early in the morning still and like drinks his coffee by himself and reads the Bible. Um, definitely. Yeah, definitely has nice. like prayer time to himself. Uh, and my mom does that kind of stuff too. I feel like there was like 
more pressure at the time for them to do it just because they were in like teaching mode with us. I, my, my brothers are all on different journeys, but none of them like, I I don't think are that intense about religion. I think that we had like so much of it growing up that even my brothers uh, that are, you know, still Christians have kind of done what I've done throughout the years, which is like, re-examining what we were taught and like um, kind of putting things in a more like liberal context and, and, you know, trying to figure out what religion is for us as an adult. So as an adult, have you completely abandoned religion or what does it look like today, your relationship? I guess I would say that I've abandoned it, but have like an immense amount of respect for it. I, I never, I, I think that like when I first stopped going to church in college, I was like, you know what, like, I'm like, I'm going to like, make this my whole identity now that I don't go to church. And then like, (laughs) so like, exactly. It's like, (laughs) and then I realized, yeah, everyone else doesn't go to church. (laughs) And um, there's nothing unique about that. So uh, yeah, I think that there was like, this uh, rebellion that took over. And then I, I mellowed out pretty quickly was like, oh, it's like, there's no reason to actively hate this because it makes people happy. It makes people feel secure. And I never want to, you know, shit on something that that is so important to people in my family. In terms of abortion, what were your thoughts on it when you were in high school? And what are your thoughts now, if you're comfortable? Yeah, I'm actually, this was, of course, unplanned. I'm wearing a Sure, 1973 is when Roe v. Wade was passed, and this was for a nonprofit supporting abortions. Ooh. But um, so yeah, I'm very pro-choice now. Um, at the time, uh, I would say that abortion was evil for sure. I mean, I had no language for anything else. So yeah. um, you know, with like the LGBTQ community, I had that teaching of like hate the sin not the sinner and I, I this community I grew up in was like I would never say was like a hateful place um but there definitely was that very dangerous Christian rhetoric of like this you know we we want to love everyone if they got an abortion you know it's okay we forgive but like these things are very bad and if you were if, if you were to talk to me at that age I probably had zero idea of like why a person would want to get an abortion other than like other than like they had been led astray by Satan. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. <laughs> you know, that can happen. Was it in college that you had that like mental shift? Like, or when was it that you realized that you were kind of like more liberal than what you were taught? Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, like after a few days of living by myself or, or like living away from my parents, <laughs> there were, there were things that came up where I was like, you know, that were, I, I think just seeing so many people that came from different backgrounds in college, honestly, and, and like, oh, they grew up very religious, but, and, and like Christian, but it's like a totally different kind of Christianity than what I grew up with. You know, there were, there were so many like differences between each person I was meeting. And then also, I think the biggest shift was like a friend of mine came out and didn't tell me and had told a bunch of other people in our friend group and, and later told me. And this was during my freshman year that he was nervous to come out to me because uh, 
he wasn't sure if I would still want to be his friend. I was like, mm. what? Like, I, I, I just, I didn't even, I, I would have never um, identified as somebody who didn't want to be friends with someone because of that, because of like whatever religion they practice, whatever sexual orientation they were. I, I, I didn't think about faith, my faith you know, being a part of my identity in that way. I think that that was like kind of one of the first shifts in me where I realized that there was, uh, I, I was kind of like signed on to a, a blanket deal <laughs> where I was like exclusionary <laughs> without meaning to be. And I think that like pretty, pretty quickly, I mean, in that very conversation, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think you're going to hell. Like I don't also... Uh, you know, I, I, I think that like I kind of pulled on myself with like doubts and things that I had about what I grew up with in that conversation. I was like, you know, of course, I don't really believe that that's like a bad lifestyle. I don't care. You can do whatever you want. And and then I was like, oh, I don't care. I don't care about this stuff. It, you know, it, it was it was like a series. It, it was a series of things. And it took probably a good year to like sort out things and 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 kind of like reconcile having been a part of that community that is like generally kind of hateful towards a lot of groups without without meaning to be a lot of the time yeah. you know like i said like my church wasn't like they would they would welcome somebody from the gay community like in an instant but the dialogue around that person's quote lifestyle would would have been toxic for sure would they allow them to continue to be gay or would they try to like do some sort of gay conversion situation? I think that the church would not actively try to, I, I, I'm sure that there would be, like I said, like a strange dialogue around it, but I I never experienced, I, my friends that did like conversion type stuff was more like in college actually with like campus ministries. Oh really? Yeah, a boy that I went on a date with my senior year who I very much liked came out uh, by the end of senior year in high school and then went to, went to school. We went to different um, colleges. He posted on Facebook like six months into freshman year, uh, no more homo. Everyone was like, oh, no. huh? And he was like, yep, I like realized <laughs> that I uh, don't want to be gay. And I was like, yeah, yo. But he was super involved with his campus ministry. And, um, you know, I, I think that not all of those are bad. I think that some of them, though, are more traditional. And yeah. definitely there's like a social pressure to not be different. Yeah. When you were, so you went on a date with that guy. Did you consistently kind of try to go on dates with guys from the church or from your own faith? And then when you get to college, when you got to college, did that change? And what about now? Like, do you like to date within the religion? Um. So I, I had a thing for closeted gay guys uh, who were really religious in high school. Uh, I, I think like, you know, not on purpose, but any, any guy that I uh, very much uh, liked what it has since come out or i feel like is like the no more no more homo guy where it's like they've like kind of struggled with it but um i 
I dated one person officially. Like I wasn't allowed to date or be around guys by myself. So going on a date with uh, No More Homo was actually like... <laughs> Maybe that could be the episode. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> that was like kind of like a secret date. Um, Where did you guys go? We went to a chili. So questions. Oh my God. Oh, no. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, like, very scared about, like, a boy paying and, like, thinking I was high maintenance. So I ordered a soup. And (laughs) that was it. You didn't get jalapeno poppers? I got a corn soup. Oh, no. Corn soup is actually officially the worst. Yeah, I I remember him um, when when the check came. He said... Let's see what the damage is. <laughs> when he opened it, oh, I was like, there's gosh. no damage. Like $14.99. Yeah, you paid $6 <laughs> for my soup. <laughs> really breaking the bank. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, so I dated one person officially my senior year. My parents finally allowed it. And it was a pastor's son. Uh, all of our all of our activities were very monitored. We would watch TV together in each other's living rooms with our parents in very close proximity. We weren't allowed to be wow. in the car together alone. weren't weren't allowed to really do anything that you do when you go on dates. Like, <laughs> um, right. it was a very um, looking back. Like we we barely knew anything about each other and would never have a deep conversation because our parents were always around. And so you were just kind of very awkwardly holding hands all the time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Where's this guy now? Is he okay? He's married and um, I believe a pastor. All right. Yes, married to yes. a woman. One was, oh yeah, he's a pastor. One, yeah. Yeah. He, I, I remember, so I was, he worked at the Chick-fil-A in my town and like he and all of his siblings did. He had a bunch of siblings and they were like half of the workforce there. And, um, <laughs> and I remember wanting to, I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't really like this guy that much. Uh, I, I wanted to break up with him after like a month. He gave me, it was when the spicy chicken sandwich was first coming out. He was like, we're supposed to give these to our family and friends, but like you love Chick-fil-A. I felt like you and your friends could uh, use these. And he gave me a stack of 100 spicy chicken sandwich like vouchers. Oh my god. Do you still have some? I mean, some? <laughs> honestly, they were used very quickly. I was I was giving them out to my friends constantly. <laughs> and um it it was I honestly like there was there was uh, a huge sense of power having that, you know, in my backpack <laughs> at school. But yeah, I I ended up breaking up with him after 3 months, not before he suggested that I don't go to the college that I had committed to and went to his university so we could get married and he could go to seminary and we could like start a family ASAP. That happened and I I had to end it. (laughs) That's intense. Good for you. I'm proud of you for, you know, stepping back from that and being able to clearly see that that wasn't something yeah that you wanted. Uh, yeah I mean he oh man this is all coming back to me now he's he we we did like a graduation ceremony at my church not well ceremony is like kind of a generous word like when whenever it was the end of a school year they would have anybody graduating from high school or college come up on stage in their graduation cap and gown and they would like gift you a devotional book and probably like 
$100 or something. And um, so everybody's getting like these little envelopes with money and this like tiny devotional book. And then I got this huge bag and I looked out into the congregation and my mom is sitting there like, what is in there? You know, she was deeply concerned because like, you never want to stand out in a a Southern church for any reason. And when I went to my seat, (laughs) he had, uh, he had given them a present to give to me that was a huge teddy bear and a letter that was uh, entitled 30 reasons why you're the perfect woman for me. Number one was you're going to be an amazing mother. Number two was like, you live your life for God. Like you're this beautiful woman of God (laughs) that prioritizes God over all, like, you know, just a a very, yeah. yeah. (laughs) This is the letter that drove you away. Honestly, I was was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I was scared. That was terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. I broke up with him the next day. Man, was he literally the next day? And I remember you did what you had to do. I remember breaking up with him on the phone on my way to school. And he was a year older than me. So he was mowing lawns as a part time job. I called him uh, when he was taking a break and broke up with him over the phone. And he was like, Oh man, I really wish that you would have done this yesterday. And I was like, What? What do you mean? and figured out that he was working all day and had no access to Facebook and had posted this deep post about like me, kind of basically everything that was in that letter um, and like why I was perfect and why he like wanted to be with me forever after three months of dating. Oh my God, that's so scary. Yeah, and I I guess he had texted with one of his brothers about me breaking up with him and the comment section, I distinctly remember one person writing, I can think of 30 reasons why this is funny now (laughs) oh my god exactly your life could be so different but now you have this really fucking cool job you live in la and new york right new york i live in new york and then yeah i go out to la for work sometimes um but paying no rent or not i'm not paying two rents that's what i meant I live rent free. Paying no rent because I have a mortgage. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into what you do and like directing and working on us and all yeah, stuff? Yeah, I've always loved TV. I think that, I mean, growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of TV um, and movies because of witchcraft, magic. Sure. A lot of things were like censored. And so I think that that made me want to watch more TV. There was like a two hour gap in between my carpool dropping me off at school and my parents coming home from work and having picked up my brothers. And so in that two hours, I would watch that 70s show, SNL, uh, Degrassi, like, you know, it is anything that I wasn't allowed to watch, um, consuming all of that as quickly as possible. I, I didn't know that you could like make TV until college, yeah. probably. Like, you know, I, I, I didn't really have uh, that context. But one of the um, one of the reasons why I stopped going to church in college was because I started doing improv. A girl that I went to church with from back home who went to my college town was like, hey, the assembly of God in this town, like 
has all these Bible studies. I'm hosting one. It's on Mondays. Come. I was like, ah, you know, Monday is improv day for me. So, and she had a heart to heart with me about how she had seen the improv team I was on perform and like they cursed and had like lewd jokes and was like, I really don't think that that's like a good idea for you to be a part of that. Yeah, I stopped going to church that week. <laughs> um, so college improv really Everyone knows life. that improv is the devil's game. Yeah. That, is, <laughs> that is a Satan's playground. Yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, and, and of course, once I started doing that and really loved that, you know, I was uh, furiously Googling all the time about, you know, Tina Fey and Donald Glover and, you know, all of these people. Chris Kelly, who's like... Uh, an amazing writer, uh, creator of the other two. Um, he had like a blog that I would read religiously about working at the Onion and working at Funny or Die, and both of which you're new. Both of which I ended up working for. at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I very unintentionally have worked at all of the places that he's worked at. That's actually kind of incredible. You're just like following in his footsteps. Maybe one day. No, I. Um, he seems really amazing. I met him one time and uh, didn't say anything. I just smiled very big. I was like, I can't tell this person I read their blog <laughs> when I was a teenager. <laughs> that, I mean, I feel like you could have said something. That's, you probably would have been so beyond flattered. There weren't that many oh, yeah. resources of, you know, like telling you how to actually do it, how to actually get involved. Um, I feel like there's still kind of aren't that many resources it's such a hard job or like yeah field to break i mean into. i think that like you know our podcasts have definitely opened up the door with like interviews and and having access to people i think because you know social media i i feel like people aren't talking about how they got their start that much <laughs> um, getting getting into comedy was mostly just being obsessed with tv and then doing everything i could in college to like I, I mean, I, I didn't get good, good, good grades in college. I was mostly just trying to get to any comedy uh, outing, uh, uh, any any internship in comedy. And that was how I ended up at The Onion, was, was interning there in college. It worked out very well for yeah, you. Yeah, it did. It, I, you know, I feel very lucky. I think that a lot of us who have found success in comedy, like, of course, there's talent involved, but I, I think that knowing knowing people and and being kind to people is, you know, what what gets you places. I think that like some people go into entertainment and comedy as like this is dog eat dog, and it's like it doesn't it's it's not though. It doesn't need to be like you, you know. I I, I think that. Uh, I, I never did stand up, which I know is like extremely difficult and there's so much pressure on you as an individual. But yeah, I, I found that even at SNL, there are a ton of people who are just incredibly nice and and willing to help. And I think that that's the most important thing. Shout out to SNL. Yeah. You know, there's, of course, like there's always, I'm trying to say starting out in comedy is hard no matter what, but like everybody, everybody <laughs> has a different route. And so it is hard to like say how you got to a place and then have somebody listen to that and be like, oh, I'm going to do exactly that because it just like doesn't exist. I met JC like doing internet comedy videos of Funny or Die and like 
that doesn't exist anymore in that in that, that was short-lived that business probably lasted a good seven and a half years and that's right. it like, until it stopped making money and it was mm-hmm. like you know i i remember there was we had a general uh with rupaul at fun your guy that's code for general meeting which is like a meeting where you <laughs> sit and speak generally about learning how one another can work and together. collab um and collab yeah, yeah i so i remember rupaul coming in for this general and asking all of us at funny or die uh he was like you guys are all on salary we're like yeah yeah we all have like benefits and stuff and he was like how does this place make money though and we were like advertising and he was like just that like he knew he knew like three months later everybody was fired because they ran out of money (laughs) and he He just won an emmy last night um exactly he knows what he's doing oh man well adriana it's been a it's been a trip it's been great to see you you. and uh i thank you for doing the pod did i do podcasting Um, right you did it so right you did it so well thank you so much and I can't wait I to meet you in real life one day. Whenever she, whenever and, is back, we could do. Oh, that would be so much fun. I love it. Before we go, we want to tell you about a new podcast we love called Eventful Brief. The Forward, one of the most influential American Jewish publications, just launched a podcast we can't wait for you to hear. A Bintel Brief, their historic advice column has been updated for the 21st century in podcast form. Hosts Gina Green and Lynn Harris are two very different moms who join forces to tackle modern life dilemmas about everything from being social after 16 months in quarantine to worrying about a family member who has been politically radicalized. The show brings in archival material and guest experts such as community leaders and social workers. Find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to the show and thank you Adriana for being our guest. You can follow her on Instagram at Adriana Robles with a bunch of underscores and be sure to watch SNL and check out her digital shorts. If you're a fan of our show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or listen for free on Spotify. And don't forget to rate and review us. If you want to support our show financially, check out our Anchor page and follow us on Insta at Pray For Us Pod. Shabbat Shalom. This podcast has been mastered and mixed by the one and only Josh Fisher. Yay, Josh. We love you, Josh. <laughs>